if you have a highly optimized system and as a farmer you only have you know 40 harvests in your career that are under your belt the risk of getting one of those wrong or adopting a bunch of new practices out of order or not necessarily having a good technical advice it's operationally a, a logistical challenge like you have to have labor in the right place you have to have the right machinery Hey, welcome back to the show. And today I am so excited to have with us Anastasia. Will you please tell us who you are and what do you do? Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. Um, I am the CEO and co-founder of Regrow Ag. Um, do you want to unpack what Regrow Ag does? I presume. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me. <laughs> we help to decarbonize agriculture as an industry that currently contributes up to one third to one quarter of the world's greenhouse gases. And that right. doesn't seem right if you think about nature-based industry like agriculture. So we're trying to make right. that equation right. <laughs> right. It's tricky when those animals just can't really plow all those fields though, isn't it? <laughs> well, they really shouldn't. We know better ways of, of um, growing the food. Um, but the actual uh, challenge is companies that are large companies that have become uh, the leaders in helping um, people eat, um, they right. now have the responsibility to figure out where is it that agriculture is falling short of that nature positive impact right. and try to right. address it. Because we as consumers, we really hold brands accountable to a greater extent that we hold governments accountable for sure. climate action. Sure. Well, I think it's smart. And I, I definitely, I love what you're doing in terms of bringing science and technology into an industry that really is lacking in a lot of ways. And so I, you know, if the net result means less greenhouse, you know, less, you know, more green sustainability and less energy consumption, I think it's an awesome thing. And so tell us about how you're doing that. I mean, what, what have you done to kind of provide a technical scientific solution to, <laughs> let's face it, we've been agging the world since the beginning of mankind. What are we doing wrong now? There's things that we've been doing well, but um, in the last, uh, like, let's start with the problem statement. The last yeah. um, like few decades, we've optimized agriculture to produce calories at pretty much all cost, and we figured a way to subsidize it. We figured a way to provide market incentives. But now right. we're really starting to say, well, we're all feeling the impacts of climate change on us. Therefore, we're all now willing to pay for those costs of externalities of how much does it cost the world for the food to be produced this way versus in right. a better way. In, right. um, in truth, we're going back to more indigenous, uh, more holistic agricultural practices often referred to as regenerative agriculture, less right. plowing, more diverse crops, less kind of synthetic inputs, more self-sustained systems through diversity of what's grown on them, integration of the animals. Those systems are more complex. So definitely right. we took like the right detour that we wanted right. to feed the world. Now we want to feed the world and not wreck the planet. And we need to kind of keep both in the optimization equation from here onwards. So For sure. what Regrow does about that is that if you think uh, globally that you want to address this problem and you're a multinational brand, First of all, you can't manage what you can't measure. You need to measure Agreed. where those greenhouse gases need to be. Where, where are they coming from? What should they be? What's possible? And you need right. scientific advice, but also you need the scale of technology to address it because we are right. farming 
5 million hectares, 12 million acres of land globally. And any given company can source from a few million hectares of their tiny company to a few billion hectares in aggregate that they're touching through their supply chain, et cetera. Sure, sure. So for us, being able to give them visibility into their on-farm emissions, um, for them to baseline them, and for right. us to give them the visibility into what can be done to reduce them, what's actionable, what's scientifically proven, what will farmers adopt, how can you invest right. in this now? That measurement of the gap and reduction of the gap is what the companies can find using our software. So, so in addition to that, though, it, uh, from what I looked about on your website, which is very well designed and very informed, very educational for those of you are wondering what we're talking about and want more details, I highly recommend you go to regrow.ag. Um, it is a, it's a beautifully put together site, very clear and very, very uh, informative, actually. I, I, I really like it. For those of us that don't know, I mean, and, and for those of us who aren't in the know on, on agricultural you know, effects on the environment, it seemed to me that your technology, while it's, it is satisfying that mission, it does much more than that. It also increases efficiencies in farming. How are you solving these multiple problems all at once? And where is your real focus? Really, the focus is on the North Star of resilience for the entire value chain. So farm to plate or to a closet rack, whether right. it's food or fiber that you're growing. And that resilience is the North Star. We're aligning everyone to. Um, it just so happens really in an advantageous way that if you transition to some of the regenerative agriculture practices, you become yeah. more self-sustainable and that allows yeah. you to cut some of the budgets on synthetic inputs. So instead of getting the fertilizer synthetically, you are now getting more um, nutrients in the soil because you're farming right. it differently. The transition right. into you're that not system killing everything all the time. <laughs> well, the transition right? to that system is risky, and so I don't think anyone wants to kill anything. But we want right. to operate within the system constraints. So, if your crop insurance only promotes certain set of practices, we need to evolve that crop insurance so it actually helps you focus on regenerative, become more resilient. Right. That doesn't mean cutting the incentives. It means aligning the incentives with better for soil health practices. Right. Now, I've actually been involved in it with another company that, that is very involved in, in a solving a similar problem to you. And that is definitely stop, you know, after a crop is cut, stop killing everything and starting from scratch. You're eliminating all the minerals in the, in the, in the soils. And it sounds like what you're doing is, is you're promoting an action where the different types of crops are then leaving their excess for the next round. Is that kind of what we're talking about? We're saying regenerative Definitely. farming. Okay. That's, that makes like a lot of no sense to most practices. of us. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Right. No, this makes a lot of sense. Now, what is the big risk? Because if, if farmers, I mean, it makes sense to me that they want to get the, the most crop they can out of their land. And if they're, if they're cutting and killing instead of, uh, letting that regenerative uh, process have to naturally, what do they have to lose from this? Is it is it yeah. fewer crops per season, or what? What's kind of the what There's are we weighing here? The the risks are that um, if you have a highly optimized system, and as a farmer you only have you know forty harvests in your career that are under your belt, right? Um, normally is how you think about it. 
the risk of getting one of those wrong or adopting a bunch of new practices out of order or not necessarily having a good technical advice, it's yeah. operationally a, a logistical challenge. Like you have to have labor in the right place. You have to have the right machinery. You have right. to have the advice. You maybe want to see it uh, done by your neighbor first. So you know it like works in the area. You can go to them for advice. Totally. So totally. it's having this technological solution that in the science level makes everyone comfortable to make this transaction to for the companies to invest in the future that the, right. the farm will make this impact and for the farmer to be able to get not just the science-based software and the clarity on the contribution to their positive impact but yeah. also get that technical assistance so that you are not risking the yield uh, ultimately right. like you don't exactly. want the yield to dip right Right. That that's that's torture for a farmer. So how do you maintain Very the stressful. yield? Yeah. How do, how do you maintain the yield while trying to adopt? And we shouldn't even say new practices, adopting practices that were here prior to World War Two. I mean, is that is that really what we're 100%. trying to do here? That's exactly it. That's exactly okay. it. Yeah. And so I think um, in how you're trying to do it, we deploy a lot of agronomic decision support trying to work out where is the safe place is there enough like soil moisture to support right. this extra crop rotation or cover crop or is this in a good place uh for from a weather perspective that if the cover crop is planted early enough it's going to have enough benefit before right. they need to plant the main crop in spring so we're trying right. to do this thinking for them so by the time they're ready to even contemplate this decision we have some directional guidance I like um, it. And cutting things like nitrogen, um, it is fairly straightforward, but it's um, something that uh, can be feeling very risky, right? Because you always yeah. put it on as an insurance, like, oh, here's right. some extra fertilizer in case we get a bumper Give rain it a little boost. at the right time yeah. of the season. Right, right, yeah, but right. But then when you're looking at it more closely, oh, most of that really ends up in the environment and not in my crop if I put it at this sure. time, not this time. Putting sure. it at the right time may be logistically more challenging, but okay, how can I solve for that? You kind of I like it. move the, the needle by giving them the perspective that, oh, someone's going to pay you to share that risk. We all want that environmental outcome, not right. just productivity at all costs. I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a program that we have assembled with a lot of our podcast guests and a lot of people who are listening to the show who are feeling the same way that they do. There's a recurring theme. You'll hear a lot of these founders talk about, I couldn't have done it without my team. I couldn't have done it without a, a support group of peers. I couldn't have done it without having someone to talk to that understood my feeling of isolation as an operator of my business. You see, you're not alone. It is hard running a business and it's even harder when you know you can't express all your deepest concerns and frustrations with your executive team. It makes them nervous. It gets them scared. You don't want scared people on your executive team. So where do you turn? The Captain's Council is where you turn. The Captain's Council it is an organization that we are put together with podcast guests, as well as people who are listening, who are in the same boat. You see, peers are the only ones that can give you the type of empathy, the type of advice, that only a founder or operator know and understand. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com. I know you're gonna love what you see there. We have put together an organizational structure that has small group settings, a global community of founders and operators, as well as monthly and quarterly in-person events. 
You're gonna love what you see there. I can't wait for you to check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode. Right, right, right. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. And I think that there are so many things we can learn. I mean, literally, we've been farming the earth since the beginning of mankind. And, and it's only been in the last 100 years, uh, less than that, 80 years, that we've adopted some of these practices that have kind of hyper-manipulated the soils. And we're actually seeing probably less yield now than we would have been 100 years ago if we kept and maintained the same practices. Am I kind of on the Hard same page? Hard to say, Todd. Hard to say because we've driven productivity through the roof. We really optimized right. it. And I don't think we would have had additional 2 billion people right. being fed on this planet because of that process. So we've become right. very efficient and, and, and the farms are extremely efficient. But now we're it. just saying, hey, we do need to incorporate a little bit of more of that risk back into the system so that it's better for nature and more holistic. How I can we it. do that? How do we redistribute the incentives to make that happen? Okay, I love it. I love what you're doing and I am clearly not a farmer, but I will tell you that I appreciate what you're doing uh, I am a lover of nature and I'm a golfer and, and these, these little things, uh, believe it or not, I'm, I get pretty nerdy about my golf grass and that kind of stuff. And so I, I think about these things, even though I'm not a farmer. And so Anastasia, as, as we talk about who you serve and why you're doing it, that seems very clear at this point. Talk to us about your business though, because you have had a, a really cool journey over the last seven or eight years in developing uh, through acquisition, some of your growth, but also just through through your your movement. I mean, this is a really powerful thing you're doing. How has that growth journey started, and and how did you jump off on your own, and and what made you think acquisition is the way we want to do it? Yeah, having um, started the company with the initial idea of this agronomic decision support towards managing this excess fertilizer application on farm for the benefit financially of the farmer. Right. Clearly evolved through two acquisitions, one of a farm management system and the team that was supporting it in Australia, New Zealand. Cool. It's still being widely used. It's a compliance system in New Zealand where uh, cool. the environmental standards are much higher and tighter. Uh, so the farmers are a lot more um, clearly aware of the impact. Right. Um, so maintaining that system and giving them that decision support was really rewarding. And it was a foray into the use case of sustainability before the rest of the world has figured out they wanted to pay for it. So this awesome. was, you know, 2018, 19 back yeah, then. Yeah. Of course, you can say environmental markets have been in the works for two decades. Sure. But really, sure. this is where governments were working with farmers. And that was cutting edge where we saw it. Uh, so fast forward to 2021. We met with my current co-founder and merged our two companies, Dagan and Florisat, into Regrow. And the story there is that, as I mentioned, I started with an agronomic decision support use case on farm. And right. they started with like a large scale monitoring of sustainability practices that they could see in the landscape. And we said, hey, these two are a perfect marriage because you want right. to be optimizing for profitability and environmental outcome. Right. We have the best in class a science that we were able to license um, and partner with or create internally. Let's put these two things together and enable not Love just it. parts of the supply chain up, upstream or downstream, but the entire supply chain. Right. All the way from the farmer to the input provider, the aggregator, the food manufacturer, that, that brand. There's a lot of steps the there. Grocery shelf. Yeah. A lot. 
Yeah. We become very efficient at this, and that means it's very specialized. I don't think a lot of people think about that. I think they just think, I'm going to go to the farmer's market this weekend and grab some some produce. But the reality is, is that there is a very, very complex organizational structure there between farm, even even seed and and fertilizers, if there are some healthy solutions out there. I, mm. I'm not going to jump into there. But from Definitely. all the way from that point, all the way to the store shelves, You've got a lot of people in the mix there with a lot of uh, influence and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of layers of money getting lost there as well. What are you doing to drive efficiencies there? Because I think that's what a lot of people think about is, well, how do we drive down costs? How do we bring more profitability to the farmers? Are you, are you designing We're doing for that? two critical things. Yeah. We're doing two critical things. One we're bringing them all on the same page. Yeah. So the farmer is not using different science, different data to three other people that will actually end up paying for it. No, yeah. those three yeah. other people that are decision makers in these large companies, they can really collaborate and go to be on the same page and go with this straightforward incentive to the farmer. So right. that has never happened before. So right. we provide unprecedented visibility to brands in aggregate what emissions look like, and then right. they're incentivized to provide um, the... Uh, opportunity for farmers to contribute to reduce them. So right. having the same uh, source of truth for what the science is saying is happening now and what sure. could be beneficial is bringing, bringing them on the same page. A lot more efficient than running in circles and relying on different numbers. And the other thing we're doing <clears throat> is giving them more tailored tools. So yeah. each of them are more efficient. So they all sit on the same yeah. platform yeah. of data, yeah. but the brands, when they're planning uh, the projects, when they're um, baselining and reporting their emissions, they're looking at a different uh, software interface yeah. to a farmer. And in between, we have this um, very important amalgamation step where we don't just directly show farmer information to the corporate and vice versa. We amalgamated, de-identified, aggregated, so that everyone's still looking at the same thing, sure. but isn't stepping on each other's toes because that trust is really important. That we're all working on what's, what matters in our way and we're all protected by yeah. the fact that we're not directly exposed. This is a really big deal. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with what you're doing. I, I mean, this, uh, this. How are you getting buy-in on this? How is the How has the growth been? I mean, you you told me earlier you've got a fairly large organization at this point. Um, monetization strategy. Yeah. I mean, how do, how does it work? Where are you making money on this deal? Yeah, so we've grown um, fairly considerably. We've tripled, I think, since this time last year in terms of the number of people in the organization. Uh, and we're continuing to see the top line growth uh, in terms of bookings yeah. and revenues. Uh, the way that we monetize is on their acre basis of annual subscriptions. So that companies buy acres gotcha. worth of visibility into the system, cool. worth of decision making. Um, and that's how we bring everyone on the same uh, page. That's smart. That's a, that's a fun, unique model. That's, that's kind of cool. It scales. It scales for everyone because that's what they tie yeah. their procurement volumes to. And for clarity, farmer gets paid. Farmer does not pay. They get paid to transition to the better practices. But ah. the companies are financing it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that that's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> well, it's all about sharing the risk with them so we can unblock the adoption of these better for the world practices and uh, really show that agriculture not only can decarbonize itself, but also help the world decarbonize and get on that 1.5 degree Celsius trajectory. Right, right. Well, I, I, I got to say that there's a lot of people that are right along with you in terms of 
the the carbon footprint and all that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work to do outside of America. Um, uh, I think that America is definitely on a on a positive trend towards being more efficient that way. But I think that I think you're bringing real value in just bringing the science to the farmers and helping them understand that these efficiencies, the regenerative process that that has been around forever, has been forgotten. And how do we better utilize the earth and how do we better take care of this, this, this thing that keeps giving us our food, right? And most of them want uh, the same. They want to pass their land to future generations. And the most important sure. thing is not only to come with better advice because they largely know how to farm, but the intelligence that de-risks those choices and the financing that de-risks the implementation yeah. of those decisions. So it's, it's a full package that that matters. And it's really amazing to see just the um the visibility that the space is starting to gain and we're right. so fortunate to you know either be in the um like the times 100 most influential companies sure. on the leaders sure. list as well as getting um just so much interest from talent coming into the climate tech and i think that's right. where we'll see biggest differences where we don't make it an isolated industry we're really like everyone's right. job will be in sustainability by 2030 we will all figure out uh, need to figure out how do we make the systems, uh, sure. especially like supply chains, more resilient, and that'll be the part of For our sure. job descriptions. I like it. I like it. Now, now, obviously, uh, getting back to the growth and and strategy within your growth uh, of the company, let's talk about some of the challenges because I I personally love an acquisition model where you're strategically aligning yourself, with, you know, first with software and then with another, you know, whole other initiative that ties so well with what you're doing. It, it doesn't mean that it all works perfectly every time. <laughs> what, what are some challenges that you've had to face in these acquisitions and in the growth of, of the uh, regrow at, in and of itself? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say we learned from the first acquisition what to do differently in the second acquisition, for sure. <laughs> and um, the, the advice I would share is that I, I think that alignment culturally between the organizations, yeah. like it's either yeah. truly there or it's truly not there. And you can't fake right. it. Like you really need to know what people right. are coming to work for and that will determine whether they stay with then the renewed company the, the the new company that they will join um that was really really clear to us as well as yeah. if you are trying to put the puzzle pieces together you really need to see those outlines clearly and really imagine that you would right. wake up tomorrow and all these people will be a part of your organization and all these products would right. be part of your platform. Like, does that fit? Or do you have like really awkward places where you need to explain totally to this team, <laughs> why they're stopping to do X and starting to do Y, or here is this, um, you know, forgotten cousin that we're going to not totally. leverage as much. Like it can the, the be for a period of time. Exactly. Right. It's a stepchild. Um, in, in some way you definitely want to, um, build it as a, as a roadmap, but from the outset, you should be quite honest with yourself how it fits and whether it will stick and be with you through the long term. And if that's sure. what you want, great. Like if you are eyes wide open going into it saying, I'm acquiring IP, here are the most important people that I right. want to retain, the, the right. rest is really um, not going to make or break the company after right. the transaction. Uh, like whatever, yeah. whichever way it is, do you want to retain high percentage or a, a different, smaller percentage? You just need to be very clear about that and see it as if it's already happened and then process right. what conversations you would need to have with uh, your very stakeholders, smart. with your board, with your uh, employees, with your customers. 
and theirs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So as you're doing that, as that process kind of unfolds, I, I really like what you talked about in being clear on mission, vision, values, and just kind of aligning, make sure that they do align with you because you're right. It can't be faked. And everyone does stand for something, but not every company is very clear on what they stand for. How do you, you know, I mean, you, we're only talking about a couple of acquisitions here, but as you position yourself to potentially acquire a new partner or be acquired by some other organization, how clearly and how well do you define what you stand for and what your mission is? It's very clearly defined and it hasn't really changed even through the last set of merger acquisitions. Like it was strengthened, yeah. but we almost didn't touch our values to kind of reinstate them. Like they were already there and they were the right values Love it. for us to continue on. I think um, having these conversations fairly regularly with folks reaching out and saying, hey, do we consider a JV or an MA or where do you see this on right. the trajectory? Like are we an additional piece to your puzzle or is it seen differently? Right. Uh, we definitely want to be very clear as to what business models we want to be in and what business models yeah. are parts of the ecosystem we don't want to be in. And I think there's yeah. a number of ways to make this happen. Like you can have a partnership. You don't have to have a complete merger acquisition to just get something done. Um, and right. maybe that's sufficient for that company to go and secure funding. They don't need to necessarily be acquired, but you have to be thoughtful about it. But like if we have a global business model with global partnerships, we can't have like a missed step where we make an acquisition yeah, yeah. that lands on the toes of one of our largest partnerships for elsewhere in the world. And then sure. that needs to be discussed ideally upfront. It can be managed, but you really need to see how it all fits together. So we're very clear about that upfront and like whether and how we see that fit. I love it. Hey, this has been such a fun conversation. Uh, I, I really do love what you've shared with us, not only about your business and what your mission is, but also how you've been able to transact and grow your business. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Um, for those that want to know more, definitely go check out regrow.ag and, and dive, dive into it. I mean, this is really a fun business, fun business model and, uh, and check it out. For those of you that are, are wanting to learn more, I mean, Anastasia, we all have somebody as a CEO, we all got somebody that, that kind of is that pillar or that mentor or that person that's guided us through these these uh, transitions in our businesses. So someone you want to give a shout out to today? I definitely want to give a shout out to my board, to Viri Maxwell from Galvanized Climate Solutions and Mike Zimmerman from Main Sequence Ventures. They've been with Love me it. on the journey and they both challenge me and inspire me, but also they help. Uh, support this business and me personally and us navigating the it. turbulent waters of climate change. <laughs> it is very turbulent, but I think you're doing a great job. You're making a great impact on, on everything. And uh, honestly, I, I hope more farmers do adopt. I hope that the earth is protected more. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing with your business. So thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. It has been great. We'll catch the rest of you on the next episode. And Anastasia, we hope you the best in moving forward with your business. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all. Hey, I hope that that interview was awesome for you. I loved it. I, I feel like I was very aligned with what she is, is driving with her company. And I'm so proud of the fact that she's, she's using uh, very, very advanced, uh, I, I would say advanced processes of growth through acquisition, strategic partnerships and alignment um, to grow her business. That's how it needs to be done. That's how your business needs to grow. If you're not paying attention to strategic alignments around you that can help you grow at a more rapid pace, you're crazy. 
You don't have to do it all alone. In fact, you should never do it all alone. I think this strategic acquisition is a fantastic way to go, whether you are the acquired or the acquirer, building a business that could be acquired or is the acquiring animal in the relationship is a fantastic way to grow your business. Instant client uh, uh, recognition, instant uh, uh, market recognition, you find yourself in a fantastic position to grow and scale in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do all by yourself. So take a look at what she's done and start thinking to yourself, who could you be aligning with? Not to mention, if you don't have a board of directors like Anastasia, you have got to really think about who is your advisory board? Do you have one? Should you get one? My answer is of course, yes, you should. And it doesn't need to be expensive. You have got to look at solutions like a peer group, a peer community, like captainscouncil.com. Captainscouncil.com is an organization of CEOs and founders just like you trying to move forward with their business, sometimes not knowing what the next step should be or could be in their growth process. The journey is hard to make alone, so don't do it alone. Be part of a community of other CEOs and founders who are in the process of growing and scaling just like you are, and they need your advice and you need theirs. There's something about sharing your vulnerabilities with other founders and CEOs that gets you in a position of strength really, really fast so that you can grow and scale your business effectively. Check out Captain's Council today. We appreciate you being here on the podcast and look forward to catching on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We'll see you then.